Hello and welcome to season one of the Revival Podcast. Revival is a place where you can come to encounter and ponder truth. In this podcast, we are going to be exploring the rich abundance of truth that the Catholic Church has to offer in all her wisdom. My name is Tara Lauderdale, and each episode I will be reading an excerpt from spiritual books, church councils, writings from the saints, and more, and then offering a brief commentary on what I've read. This is so we can have the opportunity to hear and contemplate truth, and then allow this truth to penetrate into our daily lives so that we can become imitators of Jesus Christ. Welcome to the show. and welcome to episode four of Revival. Happy New Year! I don't think that when this um, episode airs, it will still be quite the New Year, but nonetheless, Happy New Year! Happy Feast of the Epiphany! What an amazing day when we remember and celebrate the three Magi coming to give the Lord all that they have, all their treasures! Wow! How awesome! So, I'm feeling pretty excited today. Uh, Honestly, though, you guys have probably heard this. I'm I'm excited every single time I get to record a podcast. A little bit of a difference today. I'm actually podcasting, standing up, holding my microphone, which is new for me, but it is because I'm feeling such a great enthusiasm for speaking today and sharing with you all what I'm going to share with you. But first, I want to tell you all about a really incredible experience I had just in the last week or so. Um, I just returned from Grand Rapids, Michigan, where I attended the Encounter Conference. And oh my goodness, I have never been to a conference like that before. Have never, I think, um, worshipped and adored the Lord the way that I did at that conference with um, so many other members of the body of Christ, you know, of all different ages, vocations, states of life. I mean, it was just incredible. Um, It was a really incredible conference, and it was all centered around um, this love of the Holy Spirit, this real love of the Lord that um, helps us to know our identity as sons and daughters of the Father, and and what it actually looks like to live into that identity and to live into the promises that God has given to us as Father. Um, so I just, I haven't given a shout out thus far. Uh, I mean, just because this podcast is still new, but do want to give a, a shout out to um, Encounter School of Ministry p- for putting on such an incredible conference and for just like being instruments of the Lord for his will and for his glory and for his, and just like out of great love for him. And then just a shout out to all of those who work at Encounter, the staff, um, the missionaries, the teachers. I mean, gosh, it's a really, really incredible apostolate. And I'm excited that I was introduced to it back in spring of 2021. Um, I mean, it's been completely life-changing. So just it's going to be it's going to be a great podcast today. I'm speaking from not a retreat high. 
I want to make sure everybody knows there's a big difference between going on a retreat and having the experience of, wow, that felt so good and I feel so good. And that's not what I'm experiencing. I'm experiencing, wow, I'm actually beloved. I'm the beloved daughter of the father, beloved of the king of the universe, chosen by him to be a light to the nations. And that is a big, big, big difference. So, um, so let's get started about what we're going to talk about today. So we're going to talk about one of my favorite, favorite theologians and philosophers of all time. Um, Peter Kreeft. Are you even kidding me? Peter Kreeft. So a little bit of a backstory on why I'm choosing to uh, speak on the excerpt that we're going to be reading from today. Uh, the title of the book is The God Who Loves You. And um, it's funny because before the Encounter Conference, before Christmas, I was like kind of looking through my bookshelf okay, what am I going to do my next podcast on? Um, okay, maybe I'm going to do something over, yeah, some more theology, or I think I'll do it over maybe an encyclical or something, and just kind of kept passing over this book, The God Who Loves You. I was like, ugh, I don't, I don't think, I don't think I'm in the headspace. I don't think I'm, I'm prepared to read about how God loves me. Like, ah, meh. I'd rather just kind of labor for him and do all the things that he wants me to do. And I don't really need to know how he loves me, (laughs) which is just funny because all God wants to tell us ever is how much he loves us and who we are. Um, and so he is good and prepared a way to, um, help me to receive these graces of his love, um, which involved a lot of breaking down some of the walls around my heart, um, helping me to recognize my poverty and my need for him, and especially in recognizing that I tend to place my identity in the things that I do, and especially the things that I do well. And what happens when those things fail me? Who am I? Well, I don't know. And then God says, Oh, you are mine. You're mine. And once he told me that, I said, okay, all right, I'll read this book. (laughs) So I've only just begun. I haven't read the whole thing. Um, But I want to share Peter Kreef's introduction, part of the introduction, and then the first chapter, at least some points from the first chapter. And again, another difference in this podcast than all the other ones is um, I tend to kind of like write out everything I'm going to say, just because I like to be well prepared and like to know kind of what I'm getting myself into when I podcast. Um, But today, today I said, look, Lord, whatever you want me to say, I will say it. So I'm going to go almost uh, pretty much completely off the cuff um, and just am inviting the Holy Spirit to totally speak through me so that anybody who listens to this podcast hears exactly what they need to hear. Because that's why, that's why we're here. That's what we're doing. So let's get started. I love Peter Kreeft. He's one of my, gosh, I already said it, but he's one of my favorites. If you haven't read him, he's a really easy philosopher to read. Um, He has a really beautiful um, writing voice, if you will. Um, He writes very simply, very clearly, and kind of takes these really um, profound and somewhat complex truths 
and really just brings him down to the basic level so that we know what he's talking about. So I'm going to read um, the first few paragraphs of his introduction. So again, the title of this book is The God Who Loves You, and then in print, uh, in um, quotations underneath the, the title of the book, it says, Love Divine, All Loves Excelling. Are you kidding? Yes, I love it. So, okay, the introduction. This is what Peter Kreef says. He says, why write a book about God's love? Why read it? God loves you. Isn't that the most well-worn of cliches? It's just standard filler for the laziest, most obvious, and repetitive homilies. Smile, yawn. Everybody knows that by now. At least everybody who has ever been in a church or read a Bible. No, exactly the opposite. It is not familiar. It is shattering. It changes everything. And most Christians do not realize it. The Bible does not tell us what we already know. For instance, not once does it argue for God's existence. We already know that by reason or experience or history or science or logic or common sense. Only the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. But it does tell us what we do not already know, the nature of God. We do not know that God is love by reason or experience or history or science or logic or common sense. That is a shock. We think we have absorbed that shock since it hit the earth 2,000 years ago, but we have not. The shock waves have not diminished. They are still hitting us, but we are not feeling them. Yeah, what is there to say about this introduction? I mean, I think Peter Kreeft is hitting really hard on... Um, something that is 110% completely true. And it's that we hear this phrase, God loves you. And we aren't, we don't get it. <laughs> like, that's pretty much what he's saying. He's like, he's like, this isn't what the Bible says. Okay. The, the Bible, the Bible is not talking in the sense of like, um, it's telling us things we already know, right? Um, he says the Bible doesn't need to tell us that God exists, okay? We can figure that out on our own through science, through common sense, through logic. But the thing that we don't know that the Bible says is God is love. God is love. God reveals himself in scripture as love. And we don't get it. We do not understand. And there could be a lot of reasons why this is the case, um, why we don't understand God's love and why right when we go to Mass or we read Scripture and it, it talks about God as love and for God so loved the world and that He gives us a spirit of adoption and all these things, all these beautiful, most profound things about our identity, and we don't hear it. We don't get it. We don't understand it. We don't feel it. It's kind of like when somebody says God loves you to us, our eyes kind of like glaze over <laughs> and we're like, uh-huh, yeah, I knew that, but we don't, we don't know that most of the time. And so that's, that's why Peter Kreeft is writing this book, um, cause he's sharing from his own experience of what it is to encounter the love of God. And so, um, the first chapter is titled, the 12 most profound ideas I have ever had. I love it. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through one by one each idea. 
And like I said, I didn't take notes on this. I didn't write down a script. I'm just going totally off the cuff, just wanting to speak truth um, as the Holy Spirit speaks through me. So the first idea he has, the title of this is, There is Only One Thing Necessary. And I was so, so struck by this first idea. It, it was so beautiful. So he talks in this section, this, when he like kind of outlines this idea about this encounter he has with his dad. And he says to his dad, dad, everything they teach us in church and Sunday school, all the stuff we're supposed to learn from the Bible, it only comes down to one thing, doesn't it? I mean, if we remember the one most important thing all the time, then all the other things will be okay, right? And his dad says, what one thing? There are a lot of things that are important. And Peter Kreef says, I mean, I should just always ask what God wants me to do and then do it. That's all, isn't it? <laughs> I love that. I, as soon as I read that the first time, I mean, tears immediately came to my eyes because I was like, yes, yes, that is all he wants. He wants us to come to him as children and to say, dad, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And I'll do it because I love you and I want to obey you. And I think disposing ourselves to God in that way, really letting him know, yeah, I'm here and I'm yours and I want to do what you want me to do, is, is giving him that invitation to pour himself more deeply into us. Okay, the second idea. Peter Kreeft writes, the way to happiness is self-forgetful love. Um, and specifically he says... Um, a second realization follows closely upon this one. That is, it follows logically. But it did not follow closely in time for me. Instead, it took half a lifetime to appreciate through a million experiments, every one of which proved the same result, that the way to happiness is self-forgetful love, and the way to unhappiness is self-regard, self-worry, and the search for personal happiness. Yep, that is it right there. We are unhappy when we think about ourselves. It's very simple. We are so unhappy when our life is spent on the journey searching for how to fulfill ourselves and how to make ourselves happy and how to get what we want and how to make things go our way. Control is control is the evil spirit that binds us and keeps us from living as children because children do not control in their nature. They do not control. They receive, they open their hands up to the love of their parents and the care of their parents. And then that is all. And they ask for more and that's it. But we bind ourselves into spirits of unhappiness when we seek personal fulfillment apart from God. Woo. All right, let's keep going. Number three. Peter Kreeft writes, scripture, um, yeah, he's quoting from Romans 8, 28, and it says, In everything God works for good with those who love him. Very, very key. I mean, there, I mean that's a direct quote from scripture. Um, but there's another part in this section that is italicized, and I think this is really what uh, I want to sum up, and it is, If God is total love, then everything he wills for me what must come from his love and be for my good. Okay, one more time. If God is total love, 
then everything he wills for me must come from his love and be for my good. Oh my gosh. This, this is a profound idea. We read over Romans 8 and we're like, uh-huh, uh-huh, God works good for those who love him. Cool, cool, cool. No, listen, listen. God is good and he is love itself. And so therefore everything that he wills for you is out of sheer love for you to will your highest good and to draw you into intimacy with him. This means that our God, our God even, permits sometimes evil things so that he can draw a greater good out of them and thus increase our faith in his majesty and faith in his identity as Abba Father. That is the reality. God draws good out of all things, most especially our weaknesses, our poverty, and our sin. He does not just work with that which is good in us, or that is that which is strong, or our giftedness. He looks at us and he says, oh yeah, I can work with that. I can work with that. Keep loving me and keep choosing me. And I will show you how I work good in all things. That is our God. That is our God. Okay, number four. Peter Creep says, everything is a gift from God. Yes! Okay, all right. It is. You know why? Because God has, again, he's revealed himself as father. And what do parents love to do for their children? They love to give them good gifts. And so everything that we see in our lives all around us, beginning from our very existence, right? We wake in the morning, our heart is beating, and air is going in and out of our lungs. Praise God in heaven. That is a gift. Our existence is a gift. And then go, go outward from there. Your family, your friends, your health, whatever it is, all is gift. Nature, all the sun rising. Even though it's cold outside today, the beautiful cold weather. It just all is gift, all is gift from our good father who loves us and continues to reveal that to us. Okay, number five. Number five. Peter Kreef says, uh-oh, let's see here. Skip the page. Here, oh, okay, wait, where is it? Okay, oh yeah, number five. God did it all for me alone. God did it all for me alone. And he says, the realization that God's love for me is bigger and more cosmic than we can ever imagine was complemented by the realization that it is also more intimate and personal than we can ever imagine. The entire cosmic drama was, in God's plan, there for me. And for every other member of his body, his family. Everything God ever did, the creation of the universe, amazing miracles, and the universal laws by which he moves history forward, the Big Bang, the Incarnation, and the Law of Gravity, are there not for the universe or even for humanity. No, they are there for you and me. And I love this, this particular section, I think, because I can read, I can like read the experience that Peter Kreeft had when he saw that his God desired personal relationship with him. And that Jesus is his personal savior. That it wasn't just like this kind of blanket saving of the world when Jesus came and died for us and rose for us and ascended for us. Um, but that 
Jesus would have done it for Peter Kreeft alone. <laughs> and in the same way, Jesus would have done it for you alone and for me alone. And when we actually encounter that truth, again, not in this like kind of fruity, like, oh yeah, Jesus died for you and he would do it again. But like, no, he, he knows you. He has intimately chosen you and he has intimately chosen you for this relationship with you. And he made that possible by dying for your sins so that you could rise with him and be with him forever. He would do it for you alone and he would do it again. Okay, number six. We will be perfectly and uniquely fulfilled by God's love in heaven. Oh, we will. It's true. There's not a lot I have to say about that one, um, except... Yeah, we were made for God and we're made to go back to God. And we don't need to ever have a fear that heaven is not going to fulfill everything that we want because it will be perfect. And it will be perfect intimacy, perfect life, perfect fulfillment, perfect relationship. And we can't fathom that, right? We don't know. We don't have a concept of perfect on earth. And I don't mean perfect as in like no mistakes and no flaws. I'm talking about perfect as in wholeness. We do not have an experience of total wholeness on earth because of uh, our fallenness and because of original sin. But there won't be any sin in heaven. Thank goodness. No, it'll just be no barriers, no walls in our hearts. Just receiving the all-perfect love from the all-perfect God. Okay, number seven. The gift of God's love is ours for the taking. I love how this is phrased because I think... Before the encounter conference, I would have been like, hmm, for the taking? But like, I can take that? I don't know. That seems kind of like a weird verb to use. Um, <laughs> but it is, I, I think what he means by it's there for the taking is um, one really great gift that I received from the encounter conference was confidence. Uh, and it was confidence to ask God for more. Um, it's super awesome. We, we had kind of these like big nights where we would just all pray together. Everyone at the conference were all praying, hands up, arms out, hearts extended. And all we did was just thank the Lord, praise him and just say more, more, please give us more, 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 Lord. We want more. We want more. Give us more. Give us more. More, more, more. More, more, more. I mean, is that just not the prayer of a child? <laughs> I think about like, um, I have a bit of a sweet tooth and, you know, when I was a kid, I, I just, I always wanted more sweets and I just, yeah, I just asked for it. You know, you have the courage to ask your parents for it because you're like, I want more of that good thing. I want more of it. Now, granted, of course, my parents couldn't give me an unlimited supply of sweets because that would have not been that would not have been willing my good. But God, the Father, who is all good, when we ask for more of Him, He says, "You got it. You got it. I'm all yours. Whatever you want, I'll give you more of me. We just have to ask. We just have to ask." Okay, number eight. Because of the love of God, we can love our neighbor freely. Ooh, okay, yes, good. This is good. Why is this good? Because here's what it comes down to. When we know our identities as sons and daughters of the Father and want to love God, 
Here's a natural consequence. We want to love our neighbor too. Why? Well, once we can look in the mirror and say, oh, I'm, I'm a beloved daughter. I'm a beloved son. We can look at our neighbor and we can say, you're a beloved daughter. You're a beloved son by virtue of your baptism. And therefore, I'm called to love you. Called to love you in and of yourself because you are a gift from the Father to him and to me. And so I will love you. And I like this emphasis that he says freely. Because of the love of God, we can love our neighbor freely. Not like because of the love of God, we can love our neighbor uh, like kind of with constraints and, you know, just only when we feel like it. No, we can love our neighbor freely. When we're living in our relationship with God the Father, it means we can go and be to our neighbor another Christ. Because we're called, as sons and daughters of the Father, to imitate Christ, to literally be transformed into other Christ. We're transformed into new creations. And that means we're called to will the same good for our neighbor. And to, by our encounters with them, uh, invite them into deeper relationship with God. Okay, number nine. This is great. We're definitely... Um, get a little past the time that I normally take for podcasting, but you know what? The spirit is still going and, uh, who am I to hinder him? Okay. Number nine, God's love is an objective reality that makes a real difference. God's love is an objective reality that makes a real difference. I think the point here is that God's love is not subjective. Like it... I think this this point is very countercultural because our current culture um, does not believe in universal truth any longer. What is true for you might not be true for me, you know. And um, the whole point that Peter Creep just trying to make in this statement is, no, it's not that God loves me and that is true for me, and it could be true for you. No, 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 it is. God's love is an objective truth. It is an objective reality for all people since the beginning of time until the end of time. God is real and God is love and God loves you and God loves me and that will never change whether or not you believe it. (laughs) You do not have to believe it for it to be real, which is a great consolation, hopefully for all of us. It is real whether or not you believe it. God's love is there, whether or not you feel it, whether or not you sense it. God's love is an objective reality that will always exist for you, for humanity. And thank goodness, again, thank goodness, praise God in heaven that he does not withdraw his love from us and that he makes his love real for all people. Um, And it's there. It's there for us to receive. Okay, number 10. Ooh, yeah. We were made to be united to God forever. Again, a very simple statement. We were made to be united to God forever. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. Again, let's go back to what this means. What this means is we're not made for earth. Thank goodness. Because earth is miserable sometimes. No, we're made to be united with God forever. We're all pilgrims headed somewhere. We're either headed towards God or we're headed away from God. There's no in between. We're either headed towards God or we're headed away from God. 
and God wants us to head towards him. Oh my gosh, he wants it so badly. He wants it more than anything that you would head towards him. But then I think there's a second part to this, right? We're made to be united to God forever, but it's okay. Yeah. But let's start now. Let's start now. If we're made to be united with God forever, wow, shouldn't we, shouldn't we get a taste for a relationship with God here on earth then now? Yes! A hundred percent! Yes! Yes, we should! Let's start now! Start running now! Start running to the Lord now! You're made to be with Him forever, and so that means that you will be happy with Him on earth. That means that earth can be a foretaste of what's going to happen in heaven. That's why he gives himself to us on earth. That's why the church exists. Because he's trying to draw us into relationship with him now. Now. So go. He's already given you everything. He's just waiting for you to respond. Okay, number 11. The desire for joy points us to the love of God. Oh, yes. Don't we all want to be happy? Gosh, and not even happy. Not even like this kind of fleeting, like, I feel good. But like, oh, yes, I'm I'm happy. There's a, there's a resounding joy existing in my heart. And that doesn't go away. Even when I'm experiencing hardship and even when I'm experiencing sorrow. This doesn't go away because I know who I am. And this desire to be filled up in this joy points us towards the reality of God because nothing gives us lasting joy on earth. Again, no matter how hard we try, we certainly can't be filled filled with material goods, right? Those don't last very long. Human relationships, oh, they are a great good, but human beings are finite and we have infinite, infinite capacity to receive in our souls. And so the only way that we can receive an infinite filling is by going to the infinite himself. The desire for joy points us to the love of God. Check your heart. Check your soul. Do you want to be filled? Do you feel like you're missing something? It's probably the Lord. It sure isn't anything else because nothing else will fit. All right, and then the last one, number 12. Romantic love reveals the beloved and is meant to point us toward union with God. Romantic love reveals the beloved and is meant to point us toward union with God. I think it's really interesting that his last point ends with this one. Um, I want to speak particularly to those who are married, those who are engaged, and those who are um, maybe discerning engagement, discerning marriage with another. Um, and it is this. Um, what I want to say, what Peter Kreef wants to say ultimately is, Romantic love, eros, um, it, it points us to the reality that God wants all of us. That he wants to know us and does know us in our entirety. And he wants to love us in our entirety. That he reveals himself to us completely and desires that we reveal himself completely to him in the same way that a married couple does. Um, and I think that married love has this great capacity for bringing the kingdom of God to earth in the way that married couples love each other and sacrifice for each other. I mean, all of scripture is, is this love story and it's this image of 
God desiring to espouse himself to his people and to his church. And quite literally, we receive the sacrament of marriage and when we enter into it, we're actually living in that reality. And so I want to offer a word of encouragement, consolation and encouragement. Um, I think I already said encouragement, but here we go. Encouragement times two. Um, to the married couples especially is um, your spouse is your beloved that they have been given to you by God. Um, and by loving your spouse and willing the good of your spouse, you are entering into deeper union with God. You're preparing for a deeper union with God. The way that your spouse loves you, cherishes you, sacrifices for you, is the way that God loves you, desires for you to enter into a relationship with Him. It's, it's just this beautiful giving and receiving. We don't see a giving and receiving um, anywhere else like that on earth, except in marriage. So, this is great. I am very grateful that I got to go through this chapter with you all. Um, again, this is only chapter one of The God Who Loves You, and I really only read kind of the titles of each of the 12 points that Peter Kreeft wanted to share with us. Um, but I guess what I want to leave you all with today is two words, maybe three, since I guess the first word's a contraction. But anyway, and it is this, these three words. There is more. There is more. Those are the words I want to leave you with. And why do I leave those words with you? Well, because God is not done with you yet. Not even close. You think that he might be, but he's not. No way. No way. He's not done. He wants to give you more. He wants to fill you up more with himself. And he's waiting for you to ask. And he's waiting for you to open up those beautiful hands of yours and receive. He's waiting for you. And this is exciting because I think a lot of times we think, okay, well, I go to Mass on Sundays. I pray the rosary sometimes. Okay, well, I guess that's enough. I guess that's all God wants to give me. But I feel like, I don't know, I don't feel so satisfied. Because there's more. There is more. God wants to give you more. He's not done. The infinite God does not fill us up finitely unless we ask him to. He wants to fill us up with his infinite self. And what does that mean? It means our hands have to be open 24-7 to receive him. Ask him. Ask him to fill you up more with his love and his joy and his peace and his mercy and his goodness. And he will do it. He will do it. Why? Because by your baptism, you are beloved beloved daughter, beloved son, and he's your father, and he wants to give you more of himself. So thank you all so much for tuning in today. Thanks for sticking with me a little bit longer than we normally do, but I think that when we talk about the father's love, we got to give him a little bit more time, don't you think? Please pray for me. Please pray that I would receive um, the father's love more deeply, and I'm just going to pray for you all real quick as we close this podcast. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. God, we praise you. We bless you. We love you. We adore you. We thank you so much for the gift of your life within us, the gift that you have sent to us of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for sending your son Jesus to be with us. And Lord, we just ask for more, that you would fill us up with more of yourself, with more of your love, your goodness, your joy, your peace, your consolation, anything, Lord. We just want more of you. Fill us up 
to the brim, overflowing, God. We praise you and we thank you for the work that you've already done in us and the work that you continue to do in us. And we love you. We ask that you help us to love you more. We praise you. We adore you. We bless you. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, everybody. Have a great week, and I will talk to you again soon.